Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 212. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we add an eighth layer to the seven-layer dip that is democracy because we're not fucking around anymore. I'm your host and favorite second-day casserole, Nagin Farsad. Today, we're going to talk about mail-in voting. Uh, we'll talk about TikTok, and we'll hear the actual Republican case for Trump because it's an election, and there's got to be a Republican case for Trump. I am so excited by today's um, panel. We have with us, um, for the very first time to their show, a podcast or a broadcast. He's a TV host. He's got a show called The Torrey Show. He's got another podcast called Democracy-ish, which me and my husband listen to as a family, and it's real cute. And, and he, has, he has a newsletter called Black Minds Matter. Uh, without further ado, it is the lovely Torrey. Hey. Thank you. I'm not usually described as lovely, so I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. No, you are lovely. We got a chance to hang out um, in right before shit got weird at the On Air Podcast Festival. And, um, and that was the first time, right, that the On Air Podcast Festival let somebody declined to shake my hand yeah. was it because me? of COVID precautions. And I was like, Oh my God, people are being so weird. And like six days later, it was like, I am never shaking anyone's hand ever again. All elbows and fist bumps from here on the out. The globe got really weird. Um, we also, fun fact about me and Tori, we're in mirror families because I am married to a black man and he is married to an Iranian woman. What? That's right. That's right. Um, That's right. We, and- we, we rarely find each other. <laughs> The black and Iranian Lebanese couples, so we we have to we feel a bond. It's a, it's it's real. Um, and joining us on the panel today, oh my gosh! You know I've known this guy for like seven hundred years, and I've loved every minute of it because he's so fucking delightful. He's the author of the book Get Rich Cheating, and of Dollars and Cents, and you've seen him on all of the TV shows, saying smart things. And he also runs um, a behavioral science website called People Science. He's so smart. He's so funny. And he is Jeff Chrysler. Hey, Jeff. Hey, everybody. I'm just a regular white Jew with a blonde wife. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, um, we're, we'll make you an honorary member of this club. <laughs> cool. Thank, thank you very much. I, I will ride my I will ride my Judaism oppression as much as possible today. <laughs> we're all Semitic peoples at the end of the day. Um, all right. Well, listen. Let us get into topic number one. Uh, and this is just like, I just saw this before we started recording the, the full Donnie interview on Axios. And I don't even know if you guys had a chance to look at it, but did you guys have a chance to look at it? I've seen a bunch of it. Yeah. It's frightening. I actually forced myself to watch and I did it on 1.5 speed, which I found still insufferable, but at least like truncated insufferability. Um, I mean, before we start piling on Trump, can we give props to Jonathan Swan, uh, Swan for doing an actual professional really interview good. with actual follow-ups yeah. and like pushing him and challenging him? And because we see so many of these... Uh, sycophantish mm-hmm. Fox interviews, Chris Wallace accepted, where, you know, Trump says, you know, uh, you know, everything is fine. And, uh, you know, they go, yeah, you're right, sir. Yeah. Next question. And Jonathan is like, no, your charts make no sense. Right. What are you talking what are you about? Talking and about? It's, it's great. Yeah, I thought I agree. I thought he was great. And we don't have to like spend too much time on this. But I, I, I guess one of my main takeaways is that the way he sort of what we learned is that he sort of the way he's explaining the coronavirus is that he's blaming governors. Um, And that for me was like a main takeaway. He's blaming governors. And then also he likes to have, and he did this, I think to Chris Wallace too. I don't remember. He likes to like carry with him these pieces of paper, by the way, low cardstock on those papers. Mm -hmm. They're they're real flimsy (laughs) if you'll notice. Um, But he likes to show journalists these papers that show that the United States has um, the lowest death rate um, as a proportion of cases, but we have <laughs> among the highest rate as a proportion of the population, which is what everybody's talking about. Um, but his papers talk about the the um, the cases. Now, I mean, I guess there's a point to that, which is that maybe we're better at treating people with coronavirus i guess you can say that is that i mean is that a fair takeaway if you want to i think that just means the highest risk people have learned to take extra precaution uh but death rate doesn't look you can get lifelong cardiovascular disease and lung disease and brain disease from it the obsession with death is a little perverse to me my takeaway from the interview in addition to saying congrats for being an actual journalist and everyone else stinks is just wondering when a coalition of foreign countries is going to get together to invade and install a leader that isn't going to endanger the world population. I mean, like, honest to God, you sit and you think everything else, they watch Trump blow things up here. It's no big deal. I mean, no big deal, right? This is endangering the health of the world if a country of 300 million people or whatever our number is these days is allowed to just sort of fester in disease. And so, uh, you know, they probably won't invade. They'll see what happens in November. But if I'm watching from somewhere else where I'm trading with the United States, I'm freaking out if I haven't been already. No, if you if it wasn't an election year, it would be far more dire mm-hmm. of like, we can't continue on with this level of incompetence. I mean, when I walk down the street and I see everyone wearing masks, I find it very sad because this is a very direct way that our lives have been damaged uh, by this person. And, you know, we're we're about to talk about sending our kids back to school, you know, in my house, we're not going back to school in September. I know a lot of parents are saying they're not ready to go back in September, if at all. And this fool is like, all caps, open the schools now. (laughs) It's like we have somebody at the top who's not at all caring about people, caring about reality, in touch with anybody else's feelings. It's it's bizarre. He's Nero. He's not even... Sorry, I was just saying, he's Nero, but he's not even... Fiddling. He's like eating the fiddle covered in his own poo while the Rome burns. I mean, he just. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a, and the depth of the, the, the impulse to blame, it's China's fault, it's the governor's mm-hmm. fault, it's your fault if you catch it, everybody but him. It's it's bizarre. It, it, the mental gymnastics it takes to say it's everybody but me, even though I'm ultimately in charge. The buck does not stop here. I'm not responsible for any of this. Well, uh, I I want to move on. There's a bunch of like really 
bright shining moments in this um, uh, in this interview, including his continued well wishing of Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, who's been accused of child trafficking. But anyways, that's weird that he like insists yeah. on continuing to wish her well. The doubling down, I think, is just so funny. I mean, but whatever it do- it like totally doesn't matter. It's just that it's really fucking interesting as like a hu- a portrait of a human being who does that. Um, the other fucking crazy moment was that he was just like not willing to say, yeah, John Lewis, you know, we we lost um, a real national treasure and it's sad. That's all he had to say. Um, but he really he couldn't. He just kept talking about how he didn't come to his inauguration. Anyways, again, doesn't matter. It's the gossipy part of the Trump administration. So it doesn't matter. But I w- let's talk about. One of my favorite moments, which is um, this discussion over mail-in voting. Now, he makes a a distinction between absentee voting and mail-in voting. Now, absent one of the mail-in voting, you you submit your vote by mail. And absentee voting, you submit your vote by mail. So I'm not sure exactly. There's no difference. What the fucking There's no difference is. between the two. No difference. But he loves absentee ballot voting, which is actually how he votes, and also members of his administration vote. Um, Fifteen people, I think, in his administration voted that way. Uh, but he doesn't love uh, mail-in voting. Just to give listeners a background, um, Washington. Hawaii, Oregon, Utah, and Colorado already have extensive mail-in voting, and they have uh, tremendous um, voter participation as a result. And um, Utah, as you'll notice, is like a GOP stronghold. They've been voting by mail for over a decade, and uh, they're into it. What um, are your concerns over the mail-in ballot voting issue, uh, Torre? Well, it's not just the part that you referenced, right? I mean, it definitely Trump's bizarre attack on the notion of mail-in voting, um, but also his whole monkeying around with the Postal Service in and of itself, uh, trying to shut it down. He's installed his own person there. So it seems clear that there will be some attempt to throw out thousands and thousands of ballots, um, you know, or have them arrive conveniently late, too late to be counted, these sorts of things. I'm no longer comfortable mail-in voting because I, my wife and I applied for an absentee ballot for New York just to be safe. Let's just stay home as much as possible. Um, but I no longer feel safe in the, the health risk of potentially getting it versus participating in him being reelected. Is, is too much. I'm going to go and show up at the polls on November 3rd. I urge people, especially Democrats in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Florida, Wisconsin, go to the polls because we can't risk uh, this guy doing some money. He's so far behind in the polls right now. It's insane. So it's just like I can't come up with an actual reasonable argument why you should vote for me. So let's just knock a lot of voters off the rolls and maybe then we'll be able to win. Jeff, um, the, let's talk a little bit about the Postal Service. J- he appointed a guy, um, DeJoy, what's his first name? I'm blanking on Lack of, name. lack of DeJoy. <laughs> hey, come on, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, and DeJoy, whatever his first name is, is a, a, a Republican mega donor and has very questionable experience, actually, with the Postal Service in general. Um, do you, do, <laughs> leading question. Are you concerned, <laughs> Jeff? <laughs> I, I am concerned. Uh, I I have dual concerns. I wonder if this is an attempt to make it all illegitimate and broken before the election to undermine mail-in voting, because as we know, if preferences were actually expressed in the ballot, then we would have Democrats everywhere. Uh, But I also think it's just a nice, juicy demonstration of how he's drained the the swamp of all integrity. I mean, there's another part of the joy is that he, uh, he has ownership in competitors to the U.S. Postal Service. So it's it's a gift to a donor to advance that donor's own commercial interests, right? It's a, it's a classic a quid point. pro quo, right? A Trumpian yeah. move, uh, and and so there's a couple layers there. Obviously, the, the threat to democracy is the is the most dangerous, but just the continued. <laughs> <laughs> if he had to choose, right. if um, I had to choose, let, also... let this guy make his monopolistic money, but save democracy. <laughs> 
Neither um, of them do I, I like. I also want to point out he want his one of his plans is to eliminate overtime, which could yeah. create you know delays. But again, when we're talking about the kind of volume that we're hoping for in a vote by mail situation, um, eliminating overtime would be a real uh, you but know. But it's also part of a of a generations of, of Republican um, uh, modus operandi of trying to undermine any public service, and the postal service has been probably one of the great successes of public service delivering, uh, you know, mail and letting the economy thrive on the on the public dole. And they hate all things like that. So it, it's nicely timed to undermine an election. But it's been a goal of theirs to undermine a public institution like this for a long time. You know, it's interesting because Trump is like, how much can I cheat to win this election in how many ways? And if you had merely done your job, mm. which is a lot to ask for somebody who hasn't in three and a half years, uh, if you had merely done your job, then you might be winning this thing. I mean, I think about if there had been an honest and actual attack on coronavirus, or if he had truly treated it the way, like if another country had invaded us, he would have been like, you know, very jingoistic and very aggressive in attack on it and demonizing them. If you had done that, right? And like, we're actually at war. He said that like once, but like didn't make it like an actual thing. Yeah. Um, that could have, or... If in March or even in April he had said, we're going to give every American citizen two to $3,000 a month until, oh, I don't know, November, just to combat this thing, <laughs> he would have walked to re-election. But instead, it's always been about pretend corona's not happening, pretend the election isn't happening, you know, don't vote, you know, like just ignore everything. It's bizarre. It's like you if you spent the energy that you spend cheating on doing the actual job properly, you could have won. You know, I also want to point out something which I think is really funny about the whole thing, this attack on mail-in voting. Where, but also not an attack on absentee, but vote absentee ballot voting, which is essentially the same thing. Um, the uh, the funny thing to me is that a lot of older people have already been using absentee ballot voting. Um, it's really popular in Arizona and Florida with the older voters, uh, and so if you are trying to like defeat yourself target older voters and take away their voting mechanism. <laughs> and so that's, I think, a really funny thing. And, and actually people, you know, the, the Republic, I mentioned Utah, um, Ken Wyman, uh, Washington State's uh, Republic is is also a Re Republican Secretary of State. He said that Washington's vote by mail system is secure and trustworthy. So now all of these Republican state officials have to go out to the people and be like, you know, Trump. He's talking about other states. He's not talking about our state. Mm -hmm. Our <laughs> state has a secure system. So they have to do these hilarious verbal gymnastics in order to get their own citizens citizens to continue. Continue to use the thing they've already been using right. um, so that they don't see a major drop in voter turnout. Well, even Trump you know, today, before we started recording, tweeted that Florida has a great mail-in system because they're safe and secure. So use Florida's. He's picking his winners See, this and is the losers. fucking, exactly, exactly. Because he knows, because someone told him, hey, your voters in Florida use you know, no. absentee voting, and now you're telling them not to and that it's insecure. So I also want to point out to people, we got to wrap this up, but that I I agree, Tore, and I talked about this last week. We talked briefly about this last week, so listeners, I just wanted to get like a real, because we didn't talk about the Postal Service and all that stuff, so I wanted to talk about it properly this week. But like, all we talked about last week, this idea of trying to get influencers to work at the polls. I, I still think hashtag influence the polls influencers, please reach out to your local influencers in Ohio, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan. Who are they? Get them to become poll workers. That's what we want to see. Uh, we want to see these young, strapping YouTube stars, Instagram stars um, be <laughs> poll workers because it may actually help other young strapping people come out to vote. Um, you know, wear your masks uh, and hope and don't don't do it if you ha are not young and healthy and uh, don't do it if you have a, you know, com compromised uh, immune system. But I agree, like I'm going to probably vote in person just because I don't want to see we've already seen in New York State some delays with mail in voting and I don't want to contribute to that. So I want, you know, make sure that my vote gets tallied. Um, but that said, 
remember on that Tuesday, you know, and we all sit on our couches Tuesday night and tune in, we may not have results for a few weeks. And that's okay, everybody. That's okay. That's just what mail-in voting means. It's okay. Also, though, vote real early. And that's something that I'm going to remind you guys about um, in the coming months. Uh, If you are mail-in voting, do it real early, as early as you can. Um, Yeah. Any any final thoughts on this, Torre? No, I mean, I, I would like to see a lot of people vote early, surely you must have already made up your mind. Either Trump is far too much for you, or you're open to four more years of this madness, which I imagine if you are, you're probably not listening to this podcast, because this is a podcast for sane and reasonable people. But like, you know, look, this, this incumbent election is always a referendum on the incumbent. Either you're sick of Trump, and you think he's incompetent, racist, and a liar, or you're like, no, the media is lying to us and he's a great guy. I contend that you can't be well-informed and think Trump is doing a good job. You can only be one or the other, but whichever you are, you've probably already made up your mind. I don't see the electorate moving in a big way in the next, what do we have, 92, 91 days left, something like that. Like, What's going to sway your mind in the next three months that, you know, that hasn't already come up? What more information do you need to know to vote for or against Trump? Well, you know what? We're going to get into that in our final topic today. So right now, let's take a quick break and learn about our sponsors. And when we come back, uh, we are going to talk about TikTok. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you 
with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Eat stress-free this spring with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with. And then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled them aside in the hallway and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door, and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like, it's so simple, and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. <laughs> so they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. They're no fuss, no mess meals. Um, they eliminate the hassle of having to prep. They're tailored to your schedule. Um, you can customize your weekly meals uh, with flexibility. You can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've, pa I've both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. And look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 and use the code fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code fakethenation50 at factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. Um, all right, Dottie wants to ban TikTok because of its ties to China. Microsoft is trying to buy TikTok. Uh, Donnie first said he'd rather just ban it, but then he had a chat with Microsoft and maybe now it's okay for them to go forward with a purchase. Oh my God, what's going on? And for listeners who just truly don't understand what the problem is with TikTok, um, do you have any insight on that, Jeff? So I'm torn with the TikTok thing and I'm going to check my anti-Trump bias because I, TikTok is, is this, uh, it's an app that's been used and it's pretty well known that it could potential to be a Trojan horse. Right, you put it on your phone, and the data, like any app you put on the phone, can be used, and it's owned by China, and who knows what it could be used for. Like, there's legit security issues with TikTok. Yeah. However, I don't think that that is what Trump's concern is. Trump is trying to ban it. Um, is it because it is a social media network that he does not have a foothold in? And like Facebook, he's got Zuckerberg. Twitter, he dominates, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't know what the reason is. I don't think it's just because Sarah Cooper and the kids are making fun of him. Uh, well, but I think it has to do with um, just this idea of like, you know, uh, punishing China for the coronavirus. I, I think we should pull the lens out a little bit because I think 
TikTok is once again the shiny object that he uses to get media to focus on that and don't pay attention to the massively horrendous news about the GDP and the gigantic number of people uh, applying for unemployment. And on the same day that massively horrendous news about the GDP came out, he started attacking TikTok. He cannot ban TikTok. It is a private company. So that that's just a total nothing burger. But it's an interesting story. We started talking about it as media, and we didn't talk about the more complicated vegetable story about uh, you know the economy, this historic bad numbers for the economy. So he achieved the desired result of getting us to not pay attention to the truly bad story once again. And you know, the economy is an issue that the, uh, that elections are decided on. Every single election, the economy is always the number one issue. You cannot win with a bad economy. And he is coming in, sliding into November with one of the worst economic portraits of all time. And all he can do is say, look over there. You know, it's like that Leslie Nielsen meme where there's the fireworks going on, the explosions going on behind him. And he's like, nothing to see here. That's what Trump is trying to do. Um. Yes. I agree. However, I also agree, like what, you know, Jeff, what you were saying, there is, TikTok is not necessarily like a noble player here, and they are a huge social media presence. So I do think it sort of matters what they, what ends up happening with them, um, just because there's so many American users that could be affected. And, and then apparently they can sort of like stop the app from being sold on certain platforms, but then not necessarily on Android, something, something, there's like a technical aspect to how they could ban it. Um, and India, by the way, has already banned TikTok and Australia is considering banning it. So it's not like crazy. And also you, if you have a government issue phone, like the army and the Navy have, Navy have already banned the service from members down. They can't, you can't download it. Um, or if you're, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Congress, um, has banned it from all the government issued phones and the Senate is expected to do the same thing. So there's already like, there are legitimate concerns over privacy when right. it comes to TikTok. Right. Uh, Sorry, I, was gonna say, I, I do think that the his move to ban it reflects a couple of the most dangerous symptoms of Trumpism. One is what Torre mentioned about distracting, right? That I think is, we all accept that as, as a given. The second is his, his sense that he can just by fiat make these economic decisions. I mean, again, you want to pull a lens back, look at the GOP, the party of free enterprise and free markets. Now he's picking winners and losers. And not just that, he is classic Trumpism. He's inserting himself as a middleman saying, uh, you know, I made this deal happen, right? He's insisting that if Microsoft buy it, buys it, that the, the Treasury gets a cut of the sale price. That seems hilarious to but me. But that's what? just Trumpism, right? I mean, <laughs> what, what's more what's more Trump than like adding no value to anything except inserting yourself as like an agent in the middle for no reason? <laughs> Completely. Yeah, yeah. That seems like crazy pants. The other sad thing is that we have, play, you know, companies like Microsoft, which I don't know. This is like a tough area for me to talk about because I don't know very much about like security within technology. But apparently word on the street is that Microsoft is really good at security. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but that's like what the kids are saying. And <laughs> um, and so I think it's uh, it's funny that a company like that that's apparently like has some sort of good repute, also owns like LinkedIn and a few other major things, yeah. you know, they're obviously a, a big player. The vaccine um, for coronavirus that also is a tracking device. So they have that going for them. Too. There's that, cool. there's that, there's that. Um, but they had to write this like letter, you know, basically being like, no, no, like Trump is the best. You guys, Trump is the best. And we talked to him and like, we're, pro- we're going to try and go forward with this TikTok sale. I mean, it makes sense to have it be an American um, right. property or for the American part to be American so that, so that, but those gross hoops you have to jump through. It's like those cabinet meetings where it makes everybody go around and say like how great Trump is. How great he right? is. Right. Exactly. Those exactly. Someone fun. on one of these op-ed pieces like referred to it as a hostage letter, uh, you know, yeah, it totally. really, that it really read totally. that way. Well, um, and he's used and to that. Again, look at the way. interview we talked about earlier. He wasn't used to people not being like, Oh, your nonsense is so shiny, right? And now yeah, 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 yeah. he just demands that. Well, I, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I, do, I want us to get to the thing that we all are sort of itching to talk about, which is like, what is exactly the re-election 
what is his reelection really based on, right? Um, but before we do that, I'm going to let everybody know about a few races that I want to highlight. Again, listeners, you guys have been really coming at me with races. I love it. Thank you. Greg, did you say um, races or racists? Because yeah. it sounds a little Can like you said, I want to highlight a few racists. Racist? <laughs> and I got to go. I feel fun. like we, we do highlight racists <laughs> on this show. But we are going to put every uh, week leading up to the election, we're highlighting um, election races. Uh, um, uh, thank you for uh, forcing me to clarify uh, from Stephanie in Texas, Collin County in North Texas is prime for a flip. But the major problem they have, Stephanie tells us, is that no one's voting on the down ballot. Like they won, Be- Beto won there, but then the down ballot races, it's like people weren't even voting on those. Um, so please look at Sharon Hirsch, who's running for the Texas House of Representatives. It's a down ballot race um, in Texas. Uh, she wants us to think about those races in general because, yes, Trump is evil, but so is Matt Shaheen, who's running against um, Sharon Hirsch. So so if you're in Collin County uh, in Texas, take a look. Um, in Minneapolis, um, May read. I, I may be mispronouncing your name. There's a state primary coming up on August 11th where Elon Omar, which we all know we've been talking about for some time now, is being challenged by Anton Melton Moe. Um, it's like a, a French last name. Um, and so <laughs> so check out that primary race. Um, May read wants us to 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 vote again for uh, Omar. Um, so check out that race. If it's not getting enough attention, let it get attention. Jeff from Austin, Texas, is concerned with a Tesla factory that's potentially being built in Austin. But that's just a side note because he really wants us to shed. Uh, he really wants to shed light on the race of Julie Oliver in Texas's 25th district, who's running against incumbent Roger Williams. Um, and out of West Virginia, we we got multiple emails, but these are the only ones I can highlight for today. Um, out of West Virginia, um, a listener whose name. Did not I don't I don't think they gave us their name on the on the voicemail. Uh, said they live next to Kentucky and they really want to hear us talk about Amy McGrath um, in in the race against um, the Ninja Turtle, who I believe is being referred to as Mitch McConnell. Um, and uh, I just saw a horrible poll that Mitch McConnell is seventeen points ahead of Amy McGrath on that. Tori, any t- any thoughts about that race quickly? Any thoughts? You're asking me about uh, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Just like, do you have any thoughts on that, on Mitch McConnell being so ahead in that race right now? He's a horrible person. (laughs) Um, He is one of the central handmaidens that have allowed Trump to do whatever it is that he's wanted to do. History will remember that Trump as the bumbling idiot in the White House, but McConnell as the intelligent person standing behind him who constantly enabled him. Um, and, and as Jeff referred to earlier, um, this is not, it's not all about Trump. He is a symptom of a Republican party that has been going off the rails for several decades. McConnell predates Trump and what he did, uh, with Merrick Garland is is sort of a preview of the sort of ignorance of the constitution, ignorance of democratic tradition, in, in, in ignorance of democratic norms that we've seen from the Trump administration. So McConnell has been part of that the whole time. I wish that Kentuckians would wake up and see that he is not in their best interest, but it looks like he's either going to have to die or they're going to have to find somebody to the right of him to get rid of him um, because they they continue to like him and they continue to like Trump in Kentucky as well. Uh, Jeff, final thoughts on uh, Mitch McConnell, Aunt Lydia in uh I hope in maybe if they cancel the college <laughs> basketball season before Election Day, there'll be a chance that Kentuckians will turn against him. I, I also, got, I, I don't understand because we have basically lost pandemic pay. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with it um, because they're not doing anything in the Senate, right. right? Because Mitch McConnell just was like, yeah, guys, go take your recess, whatever. We'll come back, you know. We'll do some judges. There, we'll hang out. We have like three and a half days to figure it out. It'll be fine. Uh you know, so if people are suffering in Kentucky and wondering if they could get a little extra help um, in the form of pandemic pay um, on their unemployment insurance, uh, that's that's squarely on McConnell's shoulders right there that you're not getting you know, the help you need. One of the things that stood out to me is when uh, Marine Le Pen 
was not elected in France. Mm. And they said one of the key reasons why she wasn't elected in France is because they don't have Fox News. They don't have a major cable news outlet that's constantly lying to them. And I'm sure that if you looked at the penetration of Fox as opposed to other news outlets in Kentucky, it would probably be, you know, 70, 80% of how people consume their news. So in Kentucky, they're not getting the message that Mitch McConnell is the actual reason why you're not getting your unemployment insurance. They're getting the message that Chuck Schumer evil Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are the reason why you're not getting it. So, you know, just having so much of the country be fed constant disinformation from Fox, uh, as well as Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin, on and on, the rest of them, um, that's a huge problem to having a functional democracy in America. Uh, Also, hashtag less Fox News, more baguettes. Can we just be more like France in that regard? (laughs) Can we be more like France in many regards? Anyway, guys, I lived in Paris for a time in my life. It's not a big deal. Um, Okay, (laughs) let us move on to topic number three, which interestingly, I feel like everyone's been itching to sort of talk about this. Now we will directly talk about this Um, because I've been wondering, what is the case for Donnie's reelection? Like there has to be a case. Right. And and no one has made the case. Um, But, you know, uh, Hugh Hewitt was up to the task. And he's a known conservative pundit. Uh, Look him up. You'll recognize his face. Uh, He's been, you know, talking on the televisions forever. Uh, He wrote a piece in The Washington Post called The Case for Trump Will Come Down to His Record. It's a strong one. That's what he wrote. Uh, what did you What did you guys learn about the case for Trump? What, it, what I, And I honestly, because I want to understand what it is that voters might be attracted to right now in his record, um, and maybe that'll help us combat the situation, right? Because not of the three of us, we're not voting for him. Uh, so, so Jeff, did you? What were your feelings about this piece? Like, what did you learn about his, um, his, you know, his his record? I commend Hugh Hewitt on his lifelong commitment to a satirical character that he has <laughs> really <laughs> taken to the extremes. Uh, it was it was laughable. I mean, he he basically left out coronavirus he left out the last five yeah, months. He did. i mean he mentioned the china virus a couple times um you know it's like saying oh the airplane flight was great until we hit the mountain like the pilot did a great job on autopilot uh it, it was just um it's comical it's comical to think about how many people are going to use that type of argument to make themselves seem intelligent and thoughtful uh when it's it's not even cherry picked it's like cherries picked and then replaced with some other fruit it's just it, it was nonsense. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'm trying to sit there and understand, besides, you know, confirmation bias and people just dug into the tribalism of, of parties and, and the misinformation that Torrey talked about, besides that, that large group of people, which is a scary large group, like who might be a quote unquote swing voter? How could you possibly vote for Trump at this point if somehow you're in that category? And, you know, I, I can't think of anything that's not like, well, four more years of this, and we'll really appreciate those democratic institutions we used to have. Like, what is what is, what the, is the right? I mean, Tori, before I, before you weigh in on this, I'd want to give reader listeners some uh, idea of the kinds of things that he pointed out. So he did mention China. That most significantly, uh, quote. Um, Trump has brought the existential threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party into the sunlight, right? That, like, I guess we've been soft on China, and for the first time, we are, we have a president that isn't soft on right. China. Um, he mentioned the two Supreme Court justices, the 53 judges on the Federal Court of Appeals, uh, the 144 and counting district courts, um, and the ma- more than 20 judges on specialty courts. So he talked about those, which, by the way, every president has a number like that, right? Obama also had two Supreme Court judges. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Trump tax cuts along with massive deregulation, which orchestrated a 3.5% unemployment rate. He talked about that again. It's like your analogy, Jeff. Everything was great until the pilot um, ran into a mountain. <laughs> uh, the increase, He talked about an increased military budget going from $600 billion to $738 billion. He talked about getting out of the Iran nuclear deal, the Paris, getting out of the Paris Climate Accord. Um, Torre, was any of this, if you're, if you're in the, I know none of this is like 
persuasive to you. But if you're in the shoes of a Donnie voter, is any of this working for you? Like, it does it does it hit, work on your bottom line? I mean, I I could never put myself in self into the shoes of a Donnie voter. But uh, let me pull back for one second. This was published in the Washington Post, uh, and, and to me, it, it's so childishly one-sided and short-minded and short-sighted um, and doesn't even attempt to wrestle with some of the challenges of the Trump administration. Doesn't The kids in cages do not happen in Hugh Hewitt's piece. Uh, race and racism, um, the gaslighting, the incompetence, the reaction to uh, the b- recent BLM protests, none of that happens in, in Hugh Hewitt's commentary. So... It's just like I've like like Jeff said, I've cherry picked a few good things and nothing else happened. And there is a significant argument against him, but Hugh Hewitt is not asked to deal with it. Now Hugh Hewitt is an absurd, sycophantic, pathetic excuse for a pundit, right? And and he really should not be allowed outside of far right wing circles because he's not a serious thinker. But what you see when he's allowed onto MSNBC or when he was, when he's allowed into Washington Post, what we have is a, a mainstream media that is afraid of being perceived as too lefty. So they will bend over backwards to accommodate the right, even as the right is too stupid and too simple-minded to actually sit at the adult table, right? Like, this is not an intellectual argument that actually functions with smart people who are like, let's talk about reality. And he's like, no, I'm not talking about reality. I'm making a case for Trump. It's it's pathetic. And we've seen the same at the New York Times with the ridiculous Tom Cotton op-ed um, you know, we've seen the same at MSNBC and CNN when they tr- they feel a desire to include the right wing of America, even as the right wing of America gets more anti-fact, anti-science, anti-media, anti-reality. And it's kind of difficult to even have a conversation with them, but they feel necessary to include them. And so here we are, like talking about this ridiculous essay. I mean, like, you know, I've written for the posts and the times, I'm sure, you know, you guys are, some of the listeners have, the editors are like, Hey, why don't you like consider this, which challenges your thesis? Just because if you bring that in, it's stronger to the reader, but no, clearly they allowed him to just dictate whatever he wanted, which which probably came from Stephen Miller and like, let's publish it. Right. Which the big, obviously the big glaring, big fat, huge thing that the editors, you know, should have, or I don't know, I don't know how that works, but should have maybe had Hewitt argue for was the 150,000 people that have died under Trump's watch, right? Like, that's like the big, fat, glaring omission. Deal with that. But a lot of these things, I mean, it's interesting because it's like one of the things that we're supposed to love, that's my baby crying, if you can hear it in the background. Uh, one of the things that um, pe- that he mentioned is something that, you know, is, is a strong record is like that the USMCA, you know, replaced NAFTA. Again, the USMCA is so similar to NAFTA. It's not, it's barely a replacement. You know what I mean? It's like a size seven and a half shoe to a seven. It's just kind of not a big difference. Um, and again, uh, he talks about 200 miles of border wall, which is like well below the several thousand that whatever that over 1000 that we were, that Trump was promising to his base. And it's also like smugglers have walked by it. It's like not a great wall anyway. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I, I don't but also, I think the, I don't even believe the, that this that this wall has been created because Congress has not appropriated money for it. Right. So I don't know where is this money coming from. Right. It was. It was. I don't know if it's, it's technically illegally. Yeah. Like it, against c- congressional apportionment, it has been made. Uh, but what are the fun things about the end of this piece? Is um, and it's not long, folks, because he doesn't have that much to talk about. Uh, it's like eight hundred words, or whatever. At the end of this piece, he spent like a paragraph talking about how one of the big things that Trump has done has um, has shown us, like you were saying, Tori, that the media is fake news and that we shouldn't be listening to the media. And that's you know, and that's so great that Trump has done that. And then he said. This is a quote, 
Most of America would rather watch a mystery poetry slam than their quote unquote news, right? My question to America is, what is a mystery poetry slam? (laughs) (laughs) Hugh Hewitt, where are you getting your references, sir? What is that? You just put two words together. He was afraid to say (laughs) lesbian. I mean, let's get real. Like he wanted to say lesbian poetry slam, but he knew that would label him something. He's self-censored. What a typical liberal. It's also funny um, that he he called the bill that the Democrats passed um, when COVID-19 arrived as a piffling bill and that McConnell and Senate Republicans are the ones that really advanced the paycheck paycheck protection program and all the stuff that kept the economy from collapsing. You know... I think we can all agree that that actually was a bipartisan move move, and that also any infusion of cash like that is like antithetical to Republican ideology. Here's to me what, what, is, what is legitimately frightening about this or more pressing frightening. I agree with what you're saying, Tori, the, the, the media's approach to both sides-ism, if you will, is, uh. is, is a danger long term. But more immediate, if you yeah. think about the different topics we've covered, this is what Trump reads and believes, right? You know, Trump is getting fed this. Probably someone else is reading it to him with pictures because he can't digest it all. But like this sort of one-sided, cherry-picked, easy version of everything is great is what he used to. I mean, look at those charts from the inner, the Axios interview we were talking earlier, like four bright colors. That is how he digests like a, a, a multifaceted, multicolored, integrated world is in simple, I did it right. It's a win-loss. On, right? uh, no, on a really bad cardstock. I just want to point that yes, out again. How flimsy was was that paper? Come on. Uh, is, this your, is your fallback career in calligraphy? Is that what you're explaining <laughs> to see? I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a secret lobbyist for staples. Right. But it, it just, I guess it's just, it's it's continues four years in to be frightening me that Hugh Hewitt, as, as much as we legitimately point him out to be a buffoon, is probably the most, would be the most intelligent part of Trump's thinking right now, if Trump were to think like that. You know, and I think the other, like, fun thing about all of his arguments is that you can talk about Cuba being put in a box or whatever. You can talk about moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem and what a coup that was for the administration. Um, You can talk about some miles of border wall, um, and you can talk about mystery poetry slams, but none of that actually affects Americans on a daily basis, right? There, There was nothing in in this case for re-election that is an American who's like, oh yeah, on Tuesday I dealt with that issue. Right. Because it's, it's a fool's it's a not, fool's mission. All of this stuff is like pretty fucking abstract for the average voter. No, it's, it's yes, that's right. It's it's abstract because it's a fool's mission to say what is the policy case for why Trump should be re-elected. There is no policy case. It cannot reasonably be made. The appeal of Trump is personality. His followers like his personality. He appears to them strong, tough, anti-elite, anti-intellectual, um, anti uh, the black, brown, uh, woke people who've been changing the world uh, against you. He is in support of white supremacy and white privilege. He understands white fragility and white victimhood, and he's going to restore white people to their proper place of prominence. That is the appeal of Trump. And to try to get into the weeds of like some policy list of achievements that it's it's impossible. You can't honestly create an an, an eight hundred word essay that honestly talks about achievements and record, and it's not possible. And you know, Hugh Hewitt is the sort of again pathetic sort of person who Trump could stab somebody, and he would say like, "I think that's a good move." I will echo what I think Torre was saying about like the emotional appeal. Like his ignorant interview on Axios is great to them. Right? Because th- you come from a place where everything has been taken care of all your life, right? You can sort of stumble your way upward. That's what Trump demonstrates. Is like, you don't need to understand the facts. It'll get taken care of, right? Like coronavirus is going to mysteriously and magically disappear. When you live in that world, whether it's privilege or supremacy or just the, the success of whatever it may be, that is your approach. Well, I don't need to know the facts. Someone else will take care of it. And Trump emotionally appeals I mean, me- to those people that feel like they don't need to know the, the facts. They don't need to get dirty. 
And f- final word, uh, close us out here, Torre. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't. I, I just want to underline one thing: is that after 2016, a lot of us said that racism was the reason why Trump was elected, and there was a large cadre of people who said, "No, it was economic anxiety." Okay, so the econo- the economy now is at an historically low and terrible position, and yet and still, Trump still leads in a significant uh, amount with white voters. They can no longer be saying we're voting for him because of what he has done or what he will do about the economy. It's never been about the economy or economic anxiety. It's been about the racism, which is why they continue to stick with him and why he's going to get about 39, 40% at the ballot box. But it will be a long, difficult night for him on November 3rd. And it could be a couple of weeks because of mail-in voting. Let's not forget. Um, so exciting, guys, this time. Uh, and that is uh, the end of the show. And what we like to do at the end of the show is ask our panelists what's making them hopeful. I know I'm putting you on the spot because it's such a dark time. But, uh, Jeff, is there anything that's making you hopeful right now? It can be as uh, dumb as a Pop-Tart flavor you just discovered, um, or as significant as, um, you know, Elizabeth Warren announcing that she is go- wants to uh, investigate uh, Kodak. Uh, I am grasping onto the green shoots that I see in demographic groups that I think would not have recognized things like police brutality and would not have supported uh, Black Lives Matter, whether that's more of uh, the athletes that are doing it in different sports, in hockey, some people kneeled the other day. Um, or it's just, a, oh, it's, yeah. it's, you know, old white grandmas and grandpas that are out there supporting younger people. I'm grasping onto the green shoots um, because I believe that will be what survives. I've always thought with Trump that um, whatever survives this mess is going to be that much stronger. It's just a question of what survives. So I, as much as I, I doom scroll, I pick up those little tiny sparks and I say, okay, I'm going to hold on to that. I like that, Jeff. I like that a lot, Tore. What do you got? Um, ooh, somebody's yeah. coming in. Um, <laughs> it looks like a child. I, I, I want to see that. I want to see who's coming in. Who <laughs> is it? Hi. Oh, she's not coming so in. So young and cute. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Um, uh, Beyonce's Black is King is out. Everything she does is perfect and amazing. My daughter said that she wants to get Disney Plus so we can see that. So I think that's going to be our family Friday night. Cute. So, um, I like that. I like that. You guys both gave really excellent answers on that. And what's making me hopeful is that I've had like a little issue um, uh, here in the NAB and I've reached out to three elected officials and I've talked with uh, high ranking members of each of their offices. So uh, shout out to um, elected officials who actually care and are trying to do something um, instead of, uh, you know, go on recess. <laughs> Constituent services. Very important. Constituent services. I still have faith in institutions, motherfuckers. Oh. I still hey, have faith hey, look, in our there, institutions. If there's a pothole in the street, that's not a left or right issue. No, it's right? not. <laughs> exactly. Your government, get that fixed. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, you know what I really would love is for the people of Faith Nation to be able to find all of the stuff that you guys do. Jeff, where do they find you? Uh, you can find me at Jeff Chrysler, K-R-E-I-S-L-A-R, JeffChrysler.com, or my Twitter is Jeff Chrysler, or I run a website called PeopleScience.com. And you can also... That child is scrumptious. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my <laughs> God. This little girl. Oh, she's a kid in the zoo. Is she four? <laughs> she's three and a half. Oh, she's touching stuff. It's all over now. We're doomed. Look at her. <laughs> so, what comes to how to my friends? No. So cute. Pajamas all day. I love it. Good choice. <laughs> Tore, where do they find you? Uh, on Twitter, at Tore. On Instagram, at Tore Show. And on Substack, blackmindsmatter.substack.com. And you can find my podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash Show. 
Uh, and like I said, we have a uh, in a, in the uh, Farsad household, we have a, a fine tradition of listening to Torre um, uh, on podcasts. So you should join me in my family tradition of doing that. Um, and I would love to thank the people that make Fake the Nation possible. Oh, wait. No, before I thank everybody that makes Fake the Nation possible, I also want to let you guys know that I am on the show um, Travel Tales. It's in a far, uh, a far travel magazine, which I've written for. They're fantastic. I'm on an episode of their Travel Tales podcast. It's so fantastic. The entire show, it's really, really beautifully done. Um, and we're all looking for kind of things that'll take us out of this moment and into like a completely other universe. And the Travel Tales podcast does that and it does it really well. So uh, you can listen to the episode I'm on. You can listen to just like any episode um, and it's and you will delight. It's really fantastic. Uh, you can also hear hear me on uh, last week's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and Neil deGrasse Tyson Star Talk. I think that episode's coming out um, soon. And uh, yeah, so check you can check me out on various audio medium uh, but now I would really love to thank all the people that make Fake the Nation possible that is our fantastic producer Anita Flores our talented audio engineer Andy Christens Gabby Alter wrote our theme music and Lily Flesher helps with research you folks have been really good about sending me those races. Keep them coming. Also, let me know what topics you think we should be chatting about, guest ideas you might have. You can leave us a voicemail at 331-901-0005. Don't forget to leave your name when you're leaving a voicemail. And drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com. Um, and as always, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review at Apple Podcast because it helps people find the show. That's it. Thank you, everybody. Hold on. Okay. We we just made it. Any more delay? <laughs>